Sub GW, SUP, or SUP, stands for Sustainable Urban Planning. This is George Washington University's Sustainable Urban Planning graduate student-run podcast. We interview thought leaders, faculty, fellow students, alumni, and working professionals to talk about sustainable urban planning topics, themes, issues, and news not just in the DMV, but across the country and around the world. Tune in each semester for a new season, new ideas, and to hear what's up with Sustainable Urban Planning. Thank you for being with us here today. Uh, My name is Alex Davis. And I'm Melissa Pennant. And we are graduate students, part of the Sustainable Urban Planning Program at George Washington University. Um, So as part of our Park Equity podcast, we are here today with Madeline, uh, Madeline Bronzen, who, um, Madeline, would you like to take a minute to introduce yourself and a little bit about your background? Yeah, happy to do so. Yeah, my name is Madeline Brozen. I work for the UCLA Lewis Center for Regional Policy Studies. We're a research center that focuses on people, how people live, move, and work in the greater Los Angeles region. And my background is uh, transportation planning. And when I started at UCLA um, doing research, I was focusing on complete streets and biking and walking and kind of through that and trying to find little places for people to be have gotten to do a number of projects at the intersection of transportation and design or even in just design. So I'm excited to talk about parks with you all today. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that introduction, Madeline. Uh, That is one of the reasons we sought you out because you have such an extensive background and understanding. So we're excited. Uh, So we're going to dive right in. Uh, And the first question that we have for you today is, uh, what is park equity and why is it important for seniors? Yeah, I mean, you know, park equity is an important component um, kind of in social and racial equity overall, um, because it's really, you know, one of the few places that we have especially in cities, but not just in cities where people can just be, you know, it's like we don't have public space, whether they be parks or plazas um, are just really important components of cities in terms of people's ability to be healthy, to socialize, to interact with nature. Um, And the part about park equity is that unfortunately the distribution of our public space is just very um, unequal. You know, that we know that for people who live in denser urban communities, they have much lower park access than people um, in higher income and also predominantly white neighborhoods have, you know, more parks that you can get to. And so park equity, you know, is about kind of, kind of connects with just for me, kind of the right to the city, the right to exist, the right, you know, the opportunity to be healthy, to engage in democracy or whatever it is. And, um, you know, there's a lot of parts that go into that. I mean, the number one thing though is about just the distribution. Like, do you have a park near you that you can get to? That's kind of the beginning of it. But I think especially that I learned through this work looking at older adult park access it's about a lot more than just having a park being there. And it's you know really about, do, is this space for you? Is it designed in a way that you feel comfortable? Is it in a way that you feel like fits your needs? And so that's really, I think where park equity comes in in these two components. One is that, is it there? Is it by you? But then is it for you? Um, and so really thinking about how design is 
um, put together, how it's programmed, and the amenities that are there. Well, that's a great perspective and definitely bring, um, hit like every single standpoint of what a park should be for and who it should be for. It's not just for one person, it's for all people in the area. Um, so to go along with that, how do you plan in design and in planning for parks for um, shifting demographics and aging populations within the community and within the park systems themselves? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot of uh, emphasis, rightly so, on kind of the shifting park needs. But I think it, for me, it goes to back that we haven't really done a good job even addressing the needs for who exists today. So parks are really, uh, you know, designed for kids kind of first and foremost, but yet they provide a benefit to everyone. I mean, it's not that only kids enjoy nature and socializing. Um, so, you know, thinking about parks as open spaces for everyone, they need to fit a bunch of different needs. Um, and I think going about that is to looking at who has the most need. I mean, I think that's a little bit of where kind of park equity planning can fail um, because it looks at, over, at all need. I mean, everyone has a need for public space, but there's certain population groups that have really higher needs, especially when it comes in design. So um, in our work uh, where we looked at park design guidelines for older adults, one of the things that really struck me afterwards was that, you know, if someone uh, implemented all of the recommendations we had, and I can kind of go through a few of those, if you were a younger person, you show up that park, you wouldn't be like, oh, this park isn't for me. Um, you would just be like, oh, this is nicely designed. Oh, there's not really a lot of steps around. Oh, there's kind of a lot of seating and, and it's nice and it has armrests, you know? And so I think that um, designing for park equity means looking at those who have the most needs and designing for them first. And then pretty much it'll, you know, it's going to work for a lot of other people, um, but it just really focuses on a particular group. Now there's a lot of other needs just besides um, age and kind of, you know, the physical, um, some of the physical design recommendations that we made in our report, um, but also about like, you know, does it have space for a bunch or kind of flexibility? So one of the things that we recommended was having kind of an open space that could be really programmed because to me, like the park design can only go so far. It really has to be about, you know, uh, who is invited in there, who's encouraged to come in. The programming is really important. And that programming can be a bunch of different stuff for different people. So in our work, we were working um, with a, in a part of Los Angeles, right outside of downtown, really dense, um, re pretty low income uh, area. Very, a lot of people who don't native speak, natively speak English. So a lot of um, Korean and Spanish speakers. And so it was interesting. We did all of our focus, we did the Sioux focus groups and we did them kind of separately. So we had Korean groups, we did in Korean and, and kind of in the, in the native language, but it would be like the, um, the focus groups that were in Spanish, they would say how they really saw that their Korean counterparts at this, it was a day center that they all kind of interacted with. They saw them doing Tai Chi and they just really liked this. And so that was one thing. And like, if you have a big open space, then like in the early mornings, you know, you can have Tai Chi classes and then you can have, you know, like mama yoga at 11 or, you know, like just the kind of park equity, uh, the design has a lot of intention to it. At the same time, it also has to have room for flexibility because there's going to be a lot of different needs that will hopefully be served in a single park. 
Yeah, um, in terms of sort of the park design being pliable and having various accommodations for different populations, uh, we both think that's incredibly popular or important just for the simple fact, as you look at sort of park design that we've seen and uh, we've looked at previously, it's been sort of stringent and as you said, like focused on one population versus the other. Uh, and with that, uh, I'm curious, uh, what are some of the different needs you find between various age groups and, and demographics? Yeah, I mean, so I guess maybe we'll kind of start with kind of the, the oldest older adults. I mean, you know, so the, the one, you know, the one thing that we're really strong about in our report, and it's probably, uh, you know, it very much aligns with other kind of ADA access is about really having very smooth, well-maintained sidewalks and having them really wide passages. I mean, you know, one step um, can be can be too much for, for anyone. So, you know, and then thinking about uh, that for a lot of older adults, especially the oldest, like they probably don't have a lot of independent mobility. So they're probably, you know, in some cases they're being cared for by another person or hopefully it's a social opportunity for them to go somewhere with their family. Um, and so having a really wide path is really important. So that actually like you could have two people that like whether they're pushing a stroller or a wheelchair can walk side by side and do that in a smooth way. Uh, so really, you know, that kind of comes down you know, for the smooth sidewalks, then the next kind of group, we kind of the, so we talk about um, age in three different ways. The oldest old, the, and I'm not gonna remember it, of course, on the spot now, the old, old and the young old. I mean, that's one thing to think about is that like, you know, we wouldn't talk about someone who's five and 35 in the same way, but yet we talk about older adults, we group people who are 60 and 90. Um, all into like an older adult category, right? So I think it's helpful to think about like, oh, okay, there's just a lot of heterogeneity even in the older adult population. So if you're not there, if you have a lot more independent mobility, then seating becomes really important. You know, like you need to have a place where you can rest and needs to be in the shade. Um, and so that's kind of the next part down. Um, and then I just think that there's like kind of saying it's just like a lot of flexibility, you know, different things for different ages, both passive and active recreation opportunities. I mean, some people just want to be in a park to be and some people want to, you know, be active. Right. And so I think for kind of, you know, now I'm lumping people together from 55 to 30. Right. But, you know, just thinking about space that could. If you're an intergenerational family, for example, like how can a family who wants to take grandma and their infant and like just have a space where everyone can kind of be content, like what would a space look like that would actually do that, you know, and to have like different parts in different areas. I mean, one of the things, one of the challenges that we didn't really resolve in the project was is about this idea about, do you design a space just for older adults? It's really exclusive versus like intergenerational. And we did really hear um, in our focus groups, a lot of concerns from the older adults about the conflicts, you know, about how like there would be people, you know, if there's someone playing ball, like that that's gonna come across the pathway and they're gonna fall. I mean we have to be really aware of trip and fall is just like so concerning to older adults because they know that like it can be a very 
like how precious your health is. And like, if you, if you have a hard fall, it can just kind of um, cascade into other issues. So really avoiding those conflicts so that like the, the psychological thought about trip and fall also is reduced a little bit. So we try to talk about ways, you know, if you have enough space to have somewhat separated areas, just at least they're very clearly defined. So using things like different pavement materials or different plantings, um, that can really kind of help to show, okay, this is a play area, this is a passive area, you know, so that there's a little bit for everyone, but it's also somewhat um, separated so that there's not conflicts that make people feel really concerned. My hit, that was active and passive areas in park is, you know, so important and it's a critical component to have kind of a mixture of both. Um, and you don't always see that. And sometimes you have just a playground, sometimes you have just a green space, which is called a park. Um, and it's really important for all generations to have it. My grandfather is actually turning hundred this year and he's able to still drive and to still walk because he has places to go and people to see and places like parks and like community centers and open green spaces to meet people. Um, and it's important for their mental well-being, their physical well-being, just to get out and have that place to go to. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, and we wanted to ask you if what examples, either from your research or your own personal experience, um, really stood out to you and why did they stand out to you, whether it be a good, a good experience or a bad experience um, and why it stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, so in the report, we talk about um, there's a, there, there's more attention on this internationally. So there's a there's a number of examples in Singapore and Eastern Asia. There's a couple of um, an area of part of a popular London park that's kind of been redone. But uh, one of the parks in the US that got me most jazzed in doing this work is in uh, the Rose Garden in Portland. Mm -hmm. And this was where they designed an area, not just for older adults, but for older adults with dementia. Um, and that's just like a whole other element of park design. Um, and so having a space where you can go and usually they're with a caretaker, um, but that they can actually feel a little bit of independence. And so in part of that design, it was a circle. Like that's actually a big thing for people with dementia is that you don't want to walk around and feel like you're going to get lost. So having a like very obvious route, um, they also designed the, uh, rose beds in that park to be at not on the ground, they're in a raised bed, but then they're kind of at an angle where, so someone's in a wheelchair, you can kind of literally smell the roses versus someone who's standing over. And it's just like these little bit of attention to design, I think are so, it's such a beautiful way to show that everyone is welcome here. Um, so that was really exciting. One of the examples from the report that we really drew from, um, but the excite the really exciting thing is that um, there's a real park in LA that really is based off of this research now. Um, it's uh, it's called Golden Age Park. It just opened this year. And it's, um, I mean, it's really kind of what inspired this research so that there was a parcel of land um, right by the senior center that the county uh, was, letting a nonprofit buy, there was a partnership that was created. And so it's like really um, striking now to be like, wow, this is like research in action, which as a researcher um, you hope to see, but is pretty rare. So this park is actually, it's in a super dense part um, of LA. 
And it's also about maybe two or three blocks away from a big regional park. So you almost wouldn't even really think that like, oh, why do you need another park? But we've heard from our focus groups how the older adults didn't really feel comfortable there. There was just um, not a lot of good lighting, not a lot of good areas. And so this other park, you literally are walking down this block and it's just really dense, like four story apartment buildings. And then one parcel opens up and there's a park there. Um, so it's really small, but it, they did an amazing job with creating these different areas. So you walk in and there's picnic tables and uh, some barbecues. In the middle, there's kind of the middle-ish, there's some uh, low impact recreational equipment. In the back corner, there's this super fun flower spinny thing that kids can just like fly off of. Um, and then in the back of the park, there's actually raised beds too for gardening. And like this is, they packed so much into this park and there's a shade structure and there's trees. I mean, it is, it is just a really beautiful park, um, but they just took in so many of the individual recommendations that we had gotten that it was just amazing to see it come to life. Um, so I don't think it's hard. I mean, that was the other thing that was kind of like really encouraging is that, you know, I don't necessarily know that this park cost that much more than like anything else, but the impact that it's going to have, it's already having on the community um, and then it can have, I think is going to be really high because of all this intention. I mean, the only thing that that park is missing that I will say is a restroom. So that's the big thing. I think we think about park equity is that like a bathroom is not an amenity. It should be a basic requirement, you know. Um, also, if you'd like to keep your park clean, it seems like a good idea. Um, but they, did, they didn't have enough funding to actually build a restroom as part of the phase one. But what they did is they were literally able to lay the plumbing so that once they can just fundraise for the bathroom, they don't have to dig it up. They can just literally just like kind of put it in and they said figure that part out. So um, yeah, I just think attention to design, separate areas, um, and then having basic resources like restrooms just go really far away in park design for seniors. That's super interesting. Out of all of the wonderful components that you named, the restroom was the one thing that was just like, you know, it's all right, we'll, we'll get it later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just, they, they are expensive, right? Like it's, it's, uh, they went really far as they could. So it's a nonprofit that raised, I mean, they raised the money. This is not a, uh, I mean, it, it is a public park, but it's kind of like a private public partnership. Um, they actually have, I mean, they have a steward that comes and actually like locks up the park at night and opens it in the morning. And it's the first time that the nonprofit actually has like a park steward that's on payroll that's doing that. So like, you know, at the end of the day, you're designing a park, you're operating a park, you have to make some trade-offs, right? And like, Part of this is that this isn't a regional park. This is literally just someone that's something that's in a dense neighborhood, you know? So like there is an argument to be made like this, you know, probably aren't going to sit there a whole afternoon. Like you're probably just going to pop in. And so it is, it's not maybe as important, although it is still super important. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, and just speaking to you, uh, one thing that sort of resonated with Melissa and I is that, you know, uh, people are not a monolith. It's very easy to sort of get into a space where there are preconceived notions about, you know, age in place, seniors age in place, and, you know, they're used to specific regiments, and, you know, they don't 
want to move outside of those regiments. But uh, one thing that I thought you all mentioned in your paper, I uh, was speaking about like third places that can essentially be designated as, you know, these parks and open spaces that the elderly can see and um, find various attributes that they are able to um, be aligned with and that can have like social and mental uh, and physical outcomes. And so, you know, in speaking of the design, you uh, spoke about um, the low impact um, uh, uh, equipment or what was it? I, I'm, I'm yeah, the, yeah, it's like, yeah, I think it's low, I think it's what's called low impact playground equipment. Yeah. Okay. And so it, that was for the children and seniors or was it just for one? Oh, seat? no. So, so low impact, I mean, it's for everyone, right? Oh. Like, um, but it is the low impact exercise equipment. That is what... I think a, a lot has started the attention about um, park design for older adults. So like really when we talk, I don't know if we talk on the report or just kind of camp on some other related stuff we did, um, but a lot of, you know, one of the places where park design for older adults started was, I want to say in Beijing, I hope I'm not getting it wrong, um, but when the Olympics was coming, they wanted to make sure that like their actual, the actual city was good for people who lived there. And so they put out all of these low impact exercise equipment in parks, really to get older adults to start using the parks. And I think it was kind of done in combination with the Olympics because, you know, going back to this passive active recreation, I mean, the number one thing that old, that anyone I would think really definitely older adults, maybe anyone does in a park is just walk, right? Like mm -hmm. you just want a place, especially as a transportation planner um, in Los Angeles, but it's not unique to Los Angeles. You just have a lot of places where walking isn't very pleasant, right? Like. You have a lot of conflicts from cars. You have other competition of use for the sidewalks. Um, and you just like walking is one of the things that like, if you do nothing else for your physical activity, you just go and take a walk and you'll get so many benefits from it, right? So like walking has always been, I think the thing that drew older adults to parks, it was a safe and pleasant place to walk. But the question I think was like, well, can it be more than that? Like, you know, your physical strength um, could kind of do more than just walking. And so these low impact exercise equipment was kind of the response to that. Like, what would be a senior friendly activity and a way to really, you know, be, be healthy to encourage health promoting activities in the park. So yeah, so those are always for, I mean, they're predominantly for older adults. I, I see kids on them all the time, you know, everyone really likes them, but we're talking like, um, elliptical machines, um, or one of the, I think there's, there's three pieces of equipment in our little, in the golden age park. One is the elliptical one is just like, it's like three stairs up and then a ramp down. I mean, it's just like, you know, let's get you practicing going up a few stairs. Um, and then sometimes there's like a row machine or a little exercise bike. Um, yeah, but it's just, it's stuff that doesn't take a lot of physical um, endurance to actually move. And there's usually a resistance thing. So if, you know, if, if your granny really wants to pump iron that day, you know, she, she, she can turn, turn up the resistance and like kind of go a little harder. Yeah. Hey, if granny wants to pump iron, by all means, let her have it. <laughs> it worked for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know. Hey, got it into the very end. So, um, in terms of we've been talking about all of these various components uh, that can be implemented into design, uh, intentionality, and plugging in and integrating these these various um, these various uses, whether it's uh, passive or active. Um, what components of 
of just park systems for seniors do you feel can be used as a catalyst uh, to support existing citywide planning initiatives and policies? So, I mean, I think that the big thing where parks for older adults can fit in is something that you mentioned earlier is just kind of about aging in place. So a lot of cities have an aging in place um, agenda or hope to have an aging in place policy. Um, but my uh, observation is a lot of times those don't those policies or plans don't go into a lot of specific detail about like, okay, how, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to have things by where people live and we'll have walkable communities and just not a lot of specifics. So if you're a city that wants to have kind of a good aging in place platform, parks are a really big part of that. And then in our work, you know, the first thing we did was this park design. Um, but then we thought about, you know, well, what if, what if someone doesn't feel comfortable getting to that? So then we did kind of a companion, which is this project, similarly an approach where we did focus groups at the same senior center in similarly multiple languages. We worked on the transportation part. Cause it was like, you know, if we could have these beautifully designed parks for older adults, but if they don't feel safe actually getting to them, like then it's kind of for not. Mm -hmm. So that's really where I think the connection to what, what some places are calling safe routes for seniors is incredibly important. It also connects a lot with Vision Zero um, because you know seniors are very sadly the victims of traffic collisions. Um, and when they are the victims, they're disproportionately killed or severely injured. So I just think that, you know, urban, there's a point of urban planning where everything just becomes, you know, like everything's connected and you have to do everything at once. Um, but I just think that for cities that want to focus on better uh, quality of life for current older adults and for a population that will that is aging, um, that looking both at park access, opportunities to be healthy, transportation, how to get there, and kind of the housing part, like, you know, thinking about some of these, um, some communities where they might have good access, but they don't have affordable housing, um, and that, you know, you can have really nice places, but if people can't get there or they can't afford to live there, they won't be able to reap the benefits. So I think that's, those are the three things. I'm sure there's a lot more that would go into it as well. No, you're absolutely right. And there's so much interconnectivity with parks and planning in general that it's hard to, you know, tick all the boxes going down the list of for everybody, like doing an amazing job in sustainability. Um, but your insight today has been invaluable. Um, so Madeline, we thank you so much for being here with us today and for sharing your insight with us as part of our Park Equity podcast series. Um, for our listeners, join us next week as we continue our three-part series on Park Equity for Seniors. Thank you for listening to SubGW, George Washington University Sustainable Urban Planning Graduate Student Run Podcast. Catch us next time to hear more about what's up with urban planning.